Good to be here in God's house with you this morning. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, we had a wonderful visitation from the Lord, and it was just a refreshing service and uh, an empowering service, I hope, for those who were here. And uh, I would pray that this morning as we look together in the book of Job that you will be encouraged and challenged this morning. A couple weeks ago, we looked at a particular question, and there are a lot of questions in this book that are thought-provoking, and this morning we're going to look at uh, another one of those questions that's found in the 14th chapter, and it's, it's a very important one. Uh, will a man live again? And a couple years ago, well, it's been more than a couple now, several, several years ago, I was at a uh, funeral for a lady at Stony Point and godly woman. And after the service, her son, who was there, talked to me and asked me where his mother was. It's a question, and this is a, a young man, young adult at the time that uh, grew up in church, knew the word of God, but at times like that, at, at funerals, there's a desire to know where the loved one is. So this morning we are going to look at the Bible's answer to that in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a few other places as well. But as for just where we're at, this is after Job has endured the first round of his three friends. Each one of them has shared their thoughts about his misfortunes and why he's going through his particular storm of life. And just like that song we sang about God holding in the hollow of his hand, Job was being held there. But we're going to see through the scriptures, it's still not an easy place. It's still not a carefree place. It's still a troubling place for us as humans because we still have concerns. We still have issues. We still have questions. And we don't have God's perspective. So Job from chapter 12 through chapter 14 he's giving his venting if you will again and he's not been satisfied with any of the three friends and so he's struggling in some areas here and yet we're going to see that his hope remains secure in God that's that's remember that's the overall title of this series steadfast servant we can as God's people be steadfast in our pursuit of him even when we don't have all the answers so this morning we're going to look together at the first 15 verses of chapter 14 so if you have your copy of God's word open I invite encourage you to stand and reading in the honor of the word and I will begin reading in verse 1. Job says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. 
He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There is not one. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass, look away from him and leave him alone, that he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, Yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last, and where is he? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service I would wait till my renewal should come. You would call and I would answer you. And you would long for the work of your hands. Father, we ask your blessing upon this word. And now, God, give us understanding through your Holy Spirit that we might be able to share the answer of hope with those who are struggling. And, God, that we might please you as we pursue you. And we ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what we're going to do this morning is we're basically going to look at the two different ways that people perceive this reality of death. We're going to look first at the natural view that humanity generally has. This is not a supernatural approach. And then we're going to look at the supernatural approach. So as I said, Job is is struggling here. So we're going to start with the natural view. And basically what the the natural view is, and and you you see this on bumper stickers and things like this, life is hard and then you die. Uh, That that pretty much sums up. So what we're going to look at in in the first part of, of chapter 14 is that Life is hard, everybody dies, so why not just enjoy life while you can? First six verses, that's basically what Job's saying. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. This is the shared experience of all mankind. That's why the book of Job is timeless. Well, it's scripture, that's it's why it's timeless. But the message is one that people can relate to Because we all experience this. Believers, non-believers, life's hard. Life's tough. And Job knows that. He's experiencing it. He's living it. Just think about us as Americans. 
in the last year, just about a year ago, North Carolina, Hurricane Florence came in, wiped out a whole bunch of stuff. Some of us, some of the men went down there and they're talking to people that I can't remember the other hurricane's name that came in two years before that, but they had just finished fixing what that first hurricane had destroyed and in the space of a couple of days, it was redestroyed. And some of these were believers, they were churches. Life's hard. We don't get free passes just because we belong to Jesus. Think about the California wildfires that last year. I mean, they destroyed uh, 150,000 acres, 13,000 homes, and more people died from those than in any wildfire in, in California history. So... Were those just pagans that got their houses burned? Or do you think any believers got their houses burned? Life's hard. So Job's saying because of this, and then he, he, he goes that his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you've appointed his limits that he can't pass. He's basically saying, you know, what's, what's the point? We, we're, we're going to die. Now, Job wasn't aware of anybody's specific termination date, and he certainly wasn't aware of his, but he, he understood the reality that, that we all die. Now, there's an um, Arab, uh, I don't know, parable or, or story, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it, 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 it comes from a poem um, that uh, the title of it is Appointment in Samara. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but basically what it is is uh, this guy in Babylon, he has uh, a servant, and the servant's going to the market, and he's, he's doing his business for the master, and he bumps into somebody, and when the other figure turns around, it's death. You know, death's got his hood on, and death looks at him, and the servant just flips out because he's like, Wow, death's going to get me. So he goes tearing out of the market, goes back to his master, and he says, Master, I just ran into death in the marketplace, and he's after me, and I, I want to get out of here. And the master says, Okay, take a horse. He says, he said, I'm, I'm heading to Samara. So he takes off galloping as fast as he can. A couple hours later, the master he still needs whatever the slave just dropped there in the market. So he goes back, and death's still hanging around the marketplace. So he walks up to him, and he says, Hey, what, what was the deal, man? Why, why'd you, you glare and like be threatening toward my servant this morning? And death looks at him. He says, That wasn't a threatening gesture. He said, I was surprised. I was surprised to see him in Babylon this morning because I have an appointment with him tonight in Samara. Now, it's a, it's a parable, but we can't escape death. It's going to... 
statistically, 10 out of 10 people die. Do you know any 140-year-old people? I know Junior's going to try 120, but other than Junior, we just don't have that. We die. Now, because this is so depressing to some people, so discouraging, they end up hurrying things along. You ever heard of the 27 Club? Anybody? A couple nods here, yeah. You can look it up, but it's generally about famous people, mainly musicians, and I, I will say young people, generally alcohol or drugs heavily involved here, but these are all famous people that have died at the age of 27 through self-inflicted decisions. They've overdosed. They've died. Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. They're all members of the 27 Club. 27 years old, and they decided that life is no longer worth living. Robin Williams, he was 63, 61, wealthy, famous, funny. He decided he was going to hurry things up. Life wasn't worth it, so he just died. And then, even for those that... And remember, this is a naturalistic way of looking at things. No, no God, no supernatural. It's just natural. There are some who, in spite of great odds, they live out the life that they've been given. Stephen Hawking, physicist, brilliant man. He's an atheist, an evolutionist. He had ALS. He, he was in a wheelchair, and he had to talk using a synthesizer. And he still accomplished things. But you know what his view of death was when he died recently in the last couple years? The human body is like a computer. And when the batteries run down, we just cease to function. Game over. That's the naturalistic view. So Job's saying here, because of this, look at verse 6. He's basically saying, God, since you've determined our limits, since we're going to die, since life is going to be tough, you're not going to protect us. Why don't you just leave us alone? Look away from him and leave him alone. That he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. Job just saying, hey, just, just ease up. Just let us, have, let us have a little enjoyment here. And is that not the mindset that you see so many people in? This is the only life we get. So let's do everything we can let's enjoy life now grab all the gusto you can get you only live once so whatever will maximize your enjoyment how, how many of us have heard this just life is short if physical life is but if that's all you're looking at do these philosophies not not make sense and, and, and one of them is, is captured up in, and not that I'm an Oprah fan, I don't know that I've ever watched uh, an Oprah show in my life, 
but I have looked at some of what she espouses and, and she supposedly is a religious person but her philosophy of life will send people straight to hell but her sum it up is just do you just do you what does that mean it means life is too short fill in the blank life is too short to be married to only one person you, you have problems cut it loose doesn't matter if you made a vow before God and assembled witnesses until death do you part. Life's too short. And then we're seeing this with our kids. Our young people, I mean, not kids. Life's too short to have children. Well, I'm not a big royal follower, but one of those guys over there in England, uh, one of the princes, has had a kid. I think the boy's name is Archie. And he's made a public statement that maximum of two is it. And that he's, he's a greenie, and he's talking about the impact on the environment and all that, and the planet's too crowded and all this mess. What did God tell us? Be fruitful and multiply. Did he say live in fear and say don't have kids because some chucklehead that got elected by a handful of people in New York is saying we've only got 10 years left on this planet? Are you going to believe God or are you going to believe her? Life's too short. This is for the young people. Life's too short to wait till you're married to have sex. We don't want to wait anymore. Oh, life's too short to spend your Sundays in the house of God. Do we not see this? I mean, well, there's stuff to do out there. And we need to do it. Because if we don't do it now, we're going to miss out. Now, forget about the fact that if you're not bringing your young children to the house of God on a regular basis, guess what? When you do all these things and then let them choose when they're 18, guess what choice they're going to make? Well, you've just conditioned them for 18 years to go have fun, to do what they want to do, to live life their way. And this is my absolute favorite. Life is too short to be unhappy. Ran into a lady a week and a half ago in Hickory, doing some business with her, I was talking to her. We got into a gospel conversation. She was talking about her belief in God. So I said, well, okay, what, what do you mean by God? And so we had that talk, and she's, she said, oh, Jesus. And, and I said, yeah, we got rid of the impersonal force of the universe and all that. So we were talking about Jesus. And she said she's a believer. So I asked her, I said, well, where do you go to church at? She said, well, well I don't. I don't. I said, oh, really? She said, uh, yeah, I work seven days a week. And I, we were in her place of business. She said, this is my church. That's what she said. This is my church. That, and I, told, I said, that's not how God designed it. I said, that is not what he would have you to do. 
And she said she needed some changes and she had just been going through a divorce and she was going to have this gastric bypass uh, surgery in the next week. And so she was going to take time off to enjoy things. She just had her hair and it was weird colors. And not that, I'm just telling you, you know, it's all, all what she was doing and she was getting both arms and sleeves. And if you don't understand what that means, that's, that's tattoo sleeves. And what, and what did she tell me? She said, you know, life's just too short to be unhappy. What about being holy? Where in the Bible has God ever said, I want you to be happy? It's not there. It's not there. What does happy depend on? Your circumstances. He calls us to be holy, and when we're pursuing him, we have joy which lasts through the circumstances. And if we're obedient and we do what he wants us to do first, then he allows the happiness to come in. But when we pursue happiness at the expense of holiness, we'll get neither. literally a dead end but thankfully that is not the full story that's the natural view and if you don't believe in God then okay that's yeah this is the only life you're going to get to enjoy but there's more to the story Job gets to the supernatural view Yes, all living things die. He talks about the tree, and what he's talking about is, you, you, and you've seen this. You've seen trees that have been cut down, dead stumps, and you'll see sprouts coming out of them when water comes or things like that. And he's basically saying there, if there's hope for a tree, he said that's good, but in verse 10 he says it doesn't seem that the same thing happens with man. From, again, a, a human perspective, verse 10, a man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last, and where is he? Verse 11, his waters fail from a lake, and a river wastes up and dries up. So a man lies down and rises not again. That just seems like it's, it's over. That's, that's all there is to it. And death is a result of sin. And we see that in the garden. We see that was the, the curse that, that God brought upon Adam and Eve when they sinned against him and death entered into the world. And so as humans, as descendants of Adam and Eve, that's the reality that we face. But it doesn't stop there. And here's the last point. Humans will experience life after death. Look at the last part of verse 12. After Job says, so a man lies down and rises not again until the heavens are no more. He will not awake. Well, the implication is, is that when the heavens are gone, he will awake and be roused out of his sleep so job's seeing hope here 
And that uh, verse 13, oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that's just the Hebrew word, and I'm probably mispronouncing it. Uh, that's just the place of the dead, the grave. And what Job's saying is, you know, he's in this torment, he's in this pain, he's in all this suffering. He's saying, God, that you would just put me in the grave right now, that you would do it, that you would conceal me until this is over, and then you would remember me. He sees God's ability to do this, to put him in the grave and then bring him back. And that's what he's asking. If a man dies, shall he live again? Well, the answer is yes. Now, we don't see that fully in the book of Job. This is, remember, the events, even though they were written by a narrator maybe hundreds and hundreds of years after, the events of the book of Job are some of the earliest recorded in Scripture. So there's not a full understanding of resurrection presented in the book of Job. But it's there's an understanding scattered throughout the Old Testament that this is not all that we have. Isaiah, the prophet, said in Isaiah 26, verse 19, he talked of a time when the dead will live and their bodies shall rise. Psalm 16 is a messianic psalm. It was written uh, with Jesus in mind, even though the psalmist didn't know that, but the fulfillment of it, we see that in the life of Christ. In, in verse 10, the psalmist understood that God would not allow his Holy One to suffer the corruption of the grave. There's an understanding there that Jesus, the Messiah, would rise again. And then this idea that we don't all go to the same place is found in Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, when the prophet statesman Daniel said, Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now get this, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting life contempt that's in the old testament but jesus gives us a fuller picture in the new testament in the gospel of john in one of the i am statements of the seven we see this in chapter 11 where jesus says i am the resurrection and the life if a man believes in me though he die yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The passage that Pastor James read in 1 Corinthians 15, it's the fullest definition that we have of, of the resurrection and, and the bodies, but Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about what comes after death. Death will be defeated. You know, there's people out here that uh, they, they come up with these, these ways to extend life. Uh, there's, there's diets, and there's nothing wrong with diets and exercise. But there's, there's people that come up with this scientific way of, I'm not going to eat this, this, this. I'm going to live on, on oatmeal and uh, whatever, dandelion weeds and drink carrot juice, 
and it might extend my life for two and a half years. That I mean, I, I saw one of them specials once. That's what this guy, he's living miserably. Looked like bone and just skin and bones, and he's eating this stuff and drinking all this and they asked, How, what do you think this will actually do for you? He, says, he said, well, I think if I do this, I, will, I can increase my lifespan two to three years more than the average. He's still going to die. And he's going to be miserable while he's living. And my goodness, he could get hit by a bus and still die. And then all that carrot juice was for nothing. I mean, have a sweet tea every now and then. Eat a cheeseburger. It's okay. But we're... <laughs> the point is, we've got to understand that death's coming. Now, like I said, the naturalist answer can be summed up in Stephen Hawking, that physicist. The batteries die. body ceases to exist. But the reality is... There's two destinations. There's people that are going to live forever, and there's people that are going to exist forever. And that existence is going to be painful. It's going to be a torment. It's going to be a place separated from God, and it's going to be darkness and gnashing of teeth. That's the reality. And, you know, there's people that, that believe that we just reincarnate. It, it's amazing, and I'm not going to get off on, on, on some of these movies, but it's amazing how many movies where people come back and they just get reincarnated. And, and they just, no, no. You, we get one physical life. Hebrews 9.27 teaches that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So the question is, Job asks, will a man, if a man dies, shall he live again? The question I want to ask this morning, are you ready for death when it comes? Because it's coming. Coming to all of us. It can, it can happen like it did with this uh, Riker's grandmother who lived a full life and she died in a hospice house surrounded by her family and it, that seems to be the, the, the best way to go. Or it could happen like, and I don't know this situation, but these, how old were these young guys? Teenagers. Teenagers. We don't know. That wasn't what was on their plan. Are you ready to not only die, but more importantly, are you ready to live for him who is going to allow you to live forever? Because what I'm talking about right here is not a fire insurance policy. So many of us get that wrong. They just think, well, I don't want to go to hell. Well, who does? Yeah, we can go into our Good News Club. It's going to start up here in September. And, and we've got kindergartners and first graders and second graders in there. We split them up. 
and we could get those kids and say, how many of you want to go to heaven and be with Jesus? They're all going to raise their hands. That's a good thing. But at that point, they, I mean, you can, we, we can manipulate people. And we can say, ah, eight, eight kids got saved in Good News Club. No, they didn't. They don't have any conviction from the Holy Spirit. They, don't have, they just know they don't want to go to hell. Hell is real. We're talking about living for Jesus now. We're talking about surrendering your life to the one who is the author of life, who gives you an abundant life. This isn't about just a monopoly game where you get out, you get out of jail free car and you just spring it whenever you need to. No, this is about living for Jesus. Job, even though he didn't have all the answers, answers even though he struggled he never gave up his belief and trust in the God he was serving. We're going to get to chapter 42. If you want to go ahead and look ahead, that's, that's fine. I hope you're reading the book of Job. You'll notice, just notice, write it down, underline it. You notice how many times God calls Job his servant. In chapters 1 and 2 and in verse, I mean in chapter 42. And when God drops the hammer on the three friends, he said, you have not done right as my servant Job has. And Job, in spite of all that he was going through and not understanding, you want to see a high water mark of faith, you look at chapter 13. We're not hitting all the chapters. If you look at chapter 13, verse 15, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's faith. That's trust. That's living for God. That's what we need. We need people that are ready for death. But we need people who are ready to live for Jesus until he calls them home. So as Danny and the musicians come, it's a challenge this morning is, is if, if, if the Holy Spirit... If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, oh, I want to make that clear. I, I can't save anybody, but this is God's Word. And God, through His Holy Spirit, can convict people of their need for Jesus. I can't do that, but He can. But if the Holy Spirit's convicting you of your need for Jesus, surrender your life to Him. And then... Live for him. And you might be sitting here and say, well, you know, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know what God did for me. I know what he's doing for me now. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of that. But you know what that means? If you know you're saved and you know death's coming, you've got some lost friends. You've got some people you need to tell about Jesus. Just like this charity gal I was talking to. Just met her. But we need to be having those conversations. We need to be telling people about Jesus. Let's let them in on the good stuff too. That's why we call it good news. Father, Lord God, this is your time. These are your people. Father, I just pray you would be very clear to them how they need to respond this morning.
Lord, if there's someone that's outside Christ, at 1 Corinthians 15, when you inspired Paul to write that, it was about new life for those in Christ. Oh, but Father, the good news is there's room. Lord, if you're convicting, I pray they will be obedient and come. Surrender their hearts and lives to you and then live for you. And Father, for those of us who are in Christ and know we're in Christ, God, help us to step out of our comfort zones and embrace the opportunity to share the good news. So, Lord God, you just move among us and uh, you just work your will in and through us. We ask and pray this in the precious name of the Savior. Amen. Page 598, 598, let's stand. <clears throat> Take up my cross and Thank you for being here. Remember, tonight's service, 6 o'clock, we'll be at Lenny's Grove, six miles further down Sulphur Springs Road. And I uh, hope to see you there. And uh, if you can't make it, pray for us. Pray that God would uh, just work in and through that service. But thank you for your presence here. And uh, Junior Mitchell, would you uh, dismiss us in prayer?
Amen. Thank you, Danny.